John, we're going to have on a former longtime Yankee employee. Oh, yeah, he's also the uh, manager of the National League champion Philadelphia Phillies. It's Rob Thompson. A great get by you. A terrific gentleman. I mean, I think we're all shocked that he finally got a chance, and it was just great to see. Congratulations to the Phillies for getting there, and congratulations to them for hiring a great man. Yeah, we'll talk about Rob. We'll talk about the World Series. We'll talk with Rob, and of course, we'll break down the end game of the New York Yankees and where they go from here on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. John, it feels like we've been on rerun for about 13 years now, exactly 13 seasons for the Yankees. It's fallen short of where they tell us the ultimate goal is. They're a championship or bust team. That's their words, right? They they then usually want to be held to a different standard once they uh, get eliminated. They have been eliminated and not in great style. They were swept out by the Houston Astros. We were there, John. What's your impression as we walk away from that series? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of stunning. If you look at the first half of the season, we thought this was the 1998 team revisited. It did not turn out to be that way, but to be swept out, major, major disappointment. When you have a major disappointment, what do you do? So the macro is they're good enough to be here every year. This is not the NCAA tournament. You're not invited. you got to win the games to get here. And we certainly see a lot of teams that spend money. The Angels come to mind, the Phillies until this season, who can't even get into the tournament. They're good at getting into the tournament. Do you think they have some fatal flaw as a organization, as a team, how they're run in some way that prevents them from excelling at this time yeah, of year? I'm not sure they have a fatal flaw, but it's been 13 years. That's a long time. So at this point, I think they need to do, which is what I wrote in the post, is use their one big advantage that we know about, which is money. They are the top grossing team. They have the biggest revenue. They've had the biggest revenue for ever. And I know people say you should be able to win a $265 million. It's a lot of money. There's no question about it, but they haven't been able to do it. Uh, whatever the reason is, whether they're just not clever enough, whether they've been unlucky, I, I think they need to really, really show their might in free agency. Obviously, they need to bring Judge back. That's the beginning, but as I wrote in the post, I would go get another great starter to go along with Cole and Cortez and Severino. I mean, that's already probably their strength is that top of the rotation, but why not make it great? So I recommended Verlander, and if you can't get Verlander, some people don't think he likes New York, which is very possible. Some people do not. I think they're crazy, but it's possible. <laughs> I would go with Rodon, and then I would go with a big shortstop, uh, either Correa, I sit Correa or Turner, but Bogarts would fit as well. You know, I'm going to steal from the Mets and say Diaz. To me, that's one undervalued asset in baseball is that great closer. You know, we saw how much it meant with Hayter. We certainly see how much it meant with Class A. They're not still going, but and Diaz too. I mean, they have the wherewithal to just bowl people over and uh, win free agency. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that it's not always going to do well. You mentioned the Angels. Uh, they picked the wrong people. If you 
go with stars? If the Yankees had signed Machado, if they had signed Harper, what position would they be in now? I mean, you know, you sign someone great, they're going to remain great. I, I understand a lot of those mid-rung type guys who we saw as stars, Ellsbury and, and many, many others did not work out. But you sign a Randy Johnson type or a Maddox or a Machado or Harper, they're going to remain great. You know, I think that's the way to win. I, I don't think they need another 13 years like this. Yeah, uh, obviously this hasn't worked out. If four years ago they had done essentially what you said and signed both Machado and Harper, right? they'd be in an interesting spot. I think we know they're not going to do all this. No, uh, they're not. The Yankees claim the money as if they were ever to sell the team, that the year-to-year stuff is not as great as everyone thinks because of the $100 million they have to pay for the ballpark every year uh, that they built, it, uh, that opened in 2009. Well, Randy overhead. was on here and said yeah. they were never selling, right? Yes, they was, and so they're never selling. So, And I think there's probably a lot of uh, Steinbrenner children and grandchildren who expect money every year from the team, whatever, where, whatever's going on. So I, I don't think they're going to do that. I th- also, th- you know, to me, John, the greatest argument the Yankees have for what happens to them every year is the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers, I, I think we think of as incredibly well run. They've won one World Series since 1988 in a 60-game pandemic season. After that, they went out and got Trey Turner. After that, they went out and got Freddie Freeman. And then their offense stopped hitting like this year. That's as good a top three in the order as you can get. So, I, I mean, I guess you can argue you can't buy your way completely out of it because if your star's go cold at the wrong moment. It's something problematic. And yet, I think there's something underlying where they don't play well at this time of year. I'm not sure what I could put my finger on. I think there's a certain level of you get on a run that's built around looseness, and this is a tight team all the time. Are they tight because this is a tough place to play? Is it a tight because their management hasn't allowed it? You know, I'm going to say something crazy. Should they, like, throw away, like, the beard rule? Like, you know, like, just, like, be loose. John, we're around it every year. At some point, they get incredibly tight and can't get out of it. That's the consistent thing, and I'm not exactly sure how you buy loose. Right. Well, you know, to me, the money does never never hurts, and that's why I would spend it. And, uh, you know, obviously there are upsets. Uh, the Dodgers have lost in the postseason as well, even with the best team. But I still think it's be- better to be the best team and take your chances. They were not the best team here. We, we knew going in that Houston was the better team, and we certainly are convinced of that after uh, a sweep. So, um, you know, at least – Give yourselves the best team. I would say that'd be step one. I do think my $400 million payroll is fanciful. It's not going to happen. Hal's not going to do that. So I get that. They did try for Verlander last. In the, they offered him $25 million one-year deal, but didn't blow him away. He got to go back to where he was comfortable, signed basically the same Can deal. Can I stop you there? Yeah. Because that's they offered him something, and they didn't offer enough. See, this is where the money should come into play to me, John. They made an offer to Aaron Judge in spring training that I thought was designed mainly that everyone would go, bravo, you made a fair offer. Everyone thinks that you're $100,000 over Mookie Betts' annual value. It's fair. But it wasn't going to be accepted, right? Like, the idea is, did you want the player? You had to come in at at least Arenado, Strasburg, kind of like Rendon number if you want him. The idea wasn't, so. like, I think they want to be seen as smart, like, not show off the money and so that they could do it. When you have the money and you want Verlander, do you really want Verlander? 
then you that's the moment. I don't know that they're going to get all four of those guys, but if they decided from your list... Take one. We, plus pick judge. one. Plus, plus judge. judge, right? Like, we want there. Diaz, or we want Verlander, right. or we want Correa, whoever. We're the Yankees. We're going to win. That is the right. history of the Yankees, and and I think that, that they've gone opposite that. Yeah, you can't come back with the same team. I mean, I read your story today. I think it's probably very close to the mark. Mine is a, a fantasy land, obviously. I, I think your story is going to be right. They're hoping for Peraza, Volpe, Cabrera, and they'll re-sign Judge. But you can't bring back the same team. You've got to do something different, whether it be to sign Verlander or my backup plan if he doesn't want to come, Rodon, or to bring Diaz. You know, I, I threw Diaz in there. I, I think that's the one undervalued asset in baseball is that great closer. I think uh, having lived through Chapman Britain here at the end where they had guys on expensive yeah. uh, closer-type co- contracts, I think will move them out of doing something like Diaz. I think that they believe, like Tampa Bay, this is one of those areas where they feel like they could find Wandy Peralta and Clay Holmes and Michael King, and they could find enough arms, and that they're, they're not they great not at draft. They did not have enough. By the end, they had three guys but that, that was they injury-ly. really trusted. A lot of that was injury-related, injury right? right? If they had... But Tampa had 10 injuries, and they still had guys coming out there. The Yankees ran out of guys. Definitely. I I agree with you, by the way, that they – I I wouldn't do Diaz, but I agree with you they ran out of guys. But I actually think it's the one thing – they're not a great drafting team, but they draft power right-hand pitching that all – pretends to be starting pitchers in the minor leagues and then becomes either trade fodder or major league relievers. They're good at that. Look, just to reference my column that you were mentioning, I think they're in a better state, like better do something with it. They didn't do a shortstop last offseason for two reasons. They said they wanted to save the money for Judge, and they said they had two major league high-level shortstops coming in, Peraza and Volpe. That means right now they must sign Judge, otherwise what the hell was this season about, and Peraza and or Volpe better be good players because you're about to ignore another great shortstop class, right? You mentioned three with Bogarts, etc. Swanson's in that class also. They're about to ignore it. So you're in a better position. Those guys better be good, and you better bring back Judge. Otherwise, what the hell was this season about? Yeah, I mean, they missed their chances at greatness many times. You know, I thought the offer, I applauded them. I thought it was reasonable at the time. Obviously, Judge had an injury history. He had that big rookie season, but he missed a lot of games in between, so I didn't think it was unreasonable, but they didn't do enough there. Obviously, didn't do enough with Verlander. Maybe he wouldn't come anyway. Volpe, Peraza, you know, we don't know. To me, prospect is a prospect, you know, I have not heard they're the next Derek Jeter. I mean, not from anybody who's in the know. Um, they had the opportunity to go get Luis Castillo, to go get someone who was great. If they, I mean, I didn't expect them to get both of them, but if you give up one of them, they didn't offer either one from what I'm understanding. They Again, that it. means they those settled. guys better the be Yankees great. The Yankees should not be settling. They settled for yeah. Montas. Now, Montas was far worse than we would have thought. I, I thought... Okay, they still got a good pitcher. They didn't get Castillo, who's great. And by the way, the guys Castillo's been traded for Straley, McGee, all these guys. No, everybody's undervalued him forever until now, and people realize that he is great. And I think the Yankees understood that Castillo was great, but they're not willing to take chances. They're not. They want to win the trade. They want to get the better contract. They should. I, in retrospect, they should have offered Judge more. Obviously, when you got Rendon there, making thirty-five million. Now you're looking back at it. Now we didn't know Rendon wasn't going to play this year, basically. 
But I understand why Judge was annoyed, and he was. I mean, he, he's a good guy. He doesn't say anything, but you can being in that clubhouse, you can, there are enough hints that he was not that thrilled with what they did. And they could have gotten it done if they'd offered the Rendon deal, I think, because, right, he was asking for 36 at that point. At this point, we're, we're certainly going over the, what he was asking for. So sometimes you got to take that chance. you got to go for greatness. If you're the Yankees, you definitely have to do that. We got to talk about Aaron Boone, though. I Wait, mean, can, can, you, I, can yeah, I? Go ahead. Can I just jump on one thing? And we're definitely let's get to Boone, Cashman, yeah. and Judge before we're done here. But you talk about taking a chance. You know this because it's where down where you live. You talked to me a little bit about Jeremy Pena as early as like like March, April, whatever. Houston went with a rookie shortstop. I don't think he ever played AAA. If he did, it was barely. Like he hardly had time above a ball. The Phillies brought up a rookie shortstop in the middle of the season. Those are the two teams playing. Isaiah Kainofalefa was failing in front of the Yankees for six months where you would believe he's going to be able to handle tough ground balls in big situations and do anything more than slap a single every once in a while. If you don't trade Peraza in August for Castillo, by the way, maybe even Volpe, bring him up and play him and see yeah, if he can do better than the other guy. There's two rookie shortstops yeah. in the World Series. Kind of Falefa was failing in front well, of you. You you were watching the games closely because you said that to me months in advance, and I, I thought he was passable. I didn't see it. I thought he, he was okay. Now as we look at it, I think he's probably a major league shortstop There was another hint. Not, he was telling everyone the social media was bothering him. I heard this that. This is that New I York. Hear. You had that to. I heard. You didn't self shortstop in the offseason and this yeah. guy, both physically on the field and mentally off of it, is failing and you never solve it. And by the way, the play that sends their season to the end, they're not going to win four in a row anyway, is he can't handle Torres's throw and they're eliminated. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They should have brought up Peraza and seen what he could do. Um, certainly, when they brought up Cabrera, that was a good move. He, he could do a lot. He was good in right field. He's good left. He's good all over the diamond. So they, they probably need to show more faith in what they're seeing rather than looking at the metrics of it because I, I kept hearing how great the metrics were with Connor Falef, and I didn't see it as you did, that he was this much of an issue. It seemed to me he became more of an issue in the playoffs, but anyway, you were right. They were wrong. We need to talk about the manager, though. Go ahead. What do, what do you think of the manager? Well, you know, I, I don't think there's much chance they're going to change the manager. I keep hearing from my friends, got to change the manager. You heard from the fans, you got to change them. I don't think they're going to do it, so we're probably wasting our breath here. I do think he is a great guy. He's great with the team. I went around the clubhouse that last day. I couldn't find one person to say this. Not one discouraging word. I mean, usually you can find a few that have some negative thing to say about them. I think it's going to be difficult to make that change. I'm sure they will have a discussion about it. I do think he needs to understand the urgency of the moment. I'll give him a pass on Holmes because he had that shoulder thing and he thought he could get by that one game. But shouldn't have been Clark Schmidt twice in the key moments, the rookie. Shouldn't have been Trevino game three, which they had to win the LC. They had you couldn't go down three nothing to Houston, right? So you had to win that game. He used his fourth left, best reliever. Well, I would have just left Cole in the game. Right, He's your best your pitcher. Choice, your choice is Cole, your best starter, best pitcher. Right, yeah. or Lois Saiga, your yeah. best relief pitcher. 
if anyone else touches the ball, you've missed the point. The bases were loaded. There was nobody out. Yeah. You really just – I mean, Trevino's fine, but he's not your top option. He's not two, not three, not four. So I don't think he gets the urgency of the moment. My solution would be since they love him, the players love him, I think ultimately he could be a good manager is to bring in a dynamic, great bench coach who's got major league managing experience. I think – this is what helped turn Joe Torre into one of the greatest managers of all time was having Don Zimmer to telling him there, you got to win this game. You can't play for tomorrow, the next day, whatever. He's got to be reminded time and time again. I mean, is it unfortunate he still needs to be reminded? Yes. Are they going to let him go and think they have a better solution to manager? I don't think so. So I think the Yankees and the Dodgers, again, are the analogy here. John, if you go and look at who are the most winning percentage-wise, the most successful managers in history, at least 500 games— in the top five or six are both Dave Roberts and Aaron Boone. No, Roberts has yeah. got to be one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then at this time of year, their teams get eliminated. And I think the common complaint for both guys is you're scripting the game at three o'clock, which is to be totally prepared. But then starting at about seven or eight o'clock, the game is actually going to be played and you got to manage the game that's being played. It's like we watch this in the NFL. They have the chart for when to go for it on fourth down. That chart is a macro chart. Does it take into account what the weather is today? Does it take into account who the other quarterback is? Can he drive the field against us if we just punt the ball right. here, etc.? At three o'clock in the afternoon, Lou Trevino against the bottom half of the lineup sounds like a great idea. In reality, when your season is on the line and it's now bases loaded and you're saying, well, I want to save Holmes or Lois Saiga for the top of the order. Top of the order what? This is your season right yeah. here. Clark Schmidt twice. This is your season. Yeah. you got to stop, manage, be prepared, but you got to manage the game in real time. And to me, if I'm with you. If you're not getting it, like, are the coaches so siloed now? You're doing this and nobody's watching the game from 20,000 feet. Like, oh, I'm in charge of this, you're in charge of that, and nobody moves over to the manager. They forgot to put a defensive replacement into their game this year. Estevan Floriel was up for only one reason, because they were starting to play Stanton in the outfield. If I were the freaking bat boy, I would have nudged Boone and go, you know, the guy at the end of the bench, he's <laughs> only here to play defense, yeah. right? Like, put him in the game. Yeah, they and need- I just feel like they're losing a strategic real-time advantage that they have to address And that has to be addressed by people who want to control everything, which is their top front office. They want to script the game. Get it. Definitely script it. But then this becomes second city. you got to ad-lib the game once it begins. Yeah, they need an urgency coach. I know there isn't a— Who's the young Larry Boa? The young young young, Larry Boa? I don't even know. I think it was Rob Thompson in some ways, not as fiery. But I think that Joe Girardi benefited from having Rob Thompson next to him. I don't even need young. I mean, Jack McKeon came here and— and won a World Series with a record. I mean, Torborg had a similar record to Girardi. They came back and won the World Series. I don't need Young. Dusty Baker is over 70 years old. He's in the World Series. So, I mean, Zimmer, I think, was the perfect guy. He had so much experience with the Cubs, the Red Sox, all these major teams. They need an urgency coach to tell them this. I hate to quote the great philosopher Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. The game changes things. they got to not worry about the script, and they need to be more urgent. And I think that's an organization-wide issue. I don't think, as much as my friends from the beach club and other places are texting me, Aaron Boone's got to go. First of all, no matter who was the manager, no matter who the coach, they were going to win that series. They're not as good as Houston. They need to have a better team. That's number one. But number two is they need to understand the moment. Well, the guy who's in charge of a better team is Brian Cashman. His, as opposed to Boone, who signed a three-year extension last offseason, Cashman's yeah. job is up right now. Should he be back? Yeah, I do think so. I mean, I— 
I'm sure I the said, folks at the beach club think he should be gone too. I right? haven't heard that, but I don't believe there's any chance that he's going anywhere. Now, his contract is up, as you said. I, I think he is either like-minded with Hal or he is willing to go along with how he wants to do it, which is, it's not crazy to have the only a $265 million payroll. That's just me. I want to spend someone else's money. You know, I think that's part of it. But I mean, Cashman has won four World Series as a general manager. He's been in the playoffs a long time. We had Theo Epstein on and we've had great general managers on. Nobody's been as consistent a winner as Brian Cashman. So I think it'd be a tough case to make to change general managers now. I I, I don't think I don't see that one happening at all and I get it. I mean, I if I were in charge, I I wouldn't change either. Here's the thing is you could make a case it's all gone stale to some degree. Say you're going to bring in someone else, but this is a 10 billion dollar company. You can't just guess at it, right? Boston picked one Tampa guy, they ended up with Hein Bloom. Houston picked one Tampa guy and ended up with James Click. You got to get it right, right? If the Yankees had picked Hein Bloom, who's running Boston, how's that going, right? That's a big market team. The one thing I know about Cashman is he could land the plane. We're getting to October, yeah. right? And so, and by the way, when you talk to anybody who's worked for the Yankees or who does his job someplace else, they always talk about you have no idea the amount of expectation and intrusion, et cetera, that that person has to deal with out behind the scenes and that he's expert at it. But to your point about urgency in the front office, I think one of the things that Brian and his people want to be seen as is smart. Let's give them those points. They're smart. They always find guys at the margins. Mike Tyson wouldn't not throw his overhand right to use your Mike Tyson thing. If that's your best punch, your best punch is your money. Don't be ashamed or afraid to throw it. When it's time to throw it, throw it, which I think brings us to our final point, which is where we've been since this podcast began, which is Aaron Judge. So he just had a poor postseason after one of the greatest offensive years, one of the greatest all-around seasons in history. Why don't we end the Yankees segment by asking, where, where are we going with Aaron Judge? Well, I mean, they obviously have to bring him back. I mean, he was not, it was terrible in the postseason. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Uh, for whatever reason, whether it was swing, whether the chase got him out of his swing, who knows? Uh, it's a short period. It could happen to anybody. Uh, historically, before my time even, Ted Williams had a rough postseason. Willie Mays is that— Ted Williams before your time. Yes. Okay. Willie Mays, not before my time, has had rough postseasons. You know, I don't think that will affect the negotiation one bit. It's very short period, even though it was not a good period. He was amazing. He made this season what it was. Without him, you know, I said in the paper today, it would have been a 500 team and a boring one or something like that. It might be an exaggeration. It might have been an 85-win team. Would not have been a great season. That it was a great regular season. It was, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever see a season like that again. They've got to bring him back, and obviously they've got to start with his number and then go north of it. In the paper today, I suggested forty-five million. That might be a little over. Boy, you are really spending his gen- money. Spe- well, you're generous too. You gave him a ten billion dollar organization. I, yeah. I think it's closer to five billion, but okay. Who knows? Until they go on the market, you don't know the exact price. But I think 40, I think you had mentioned 320 for eight. That's probably closer to the mark. Yankees will probably start. They just started north of Betts. They'll probably start north of Trout. He'd ask for around Trout. So they're probably going to be in that round 36, 37. You know, maybe you can push them to 40. I don't think it's going to get to my 45 because I was generous. But 320 for eight, that might do it. But they, they need to bring him back. I'll do a tortured analogy. I, I remember covering the 114-win Yankees and feeling that when they went in the postseason that year, 
winning that many games was a burden. Like you felt it as they struggled against Cleveland that year. Like, oh my God, if we blow this, the season isn't worth it. I think Judge carried the burden of 62 homers into the postseason. I wonder if him and the Yankees would have been better off if he hit 55. Now, again, it's great he hit 62. The Yankees made plenty of money. He's going to make more money because of it. I remember the next year, I always thought the 1999 Yankees were better than the 98 Yankees, but they kind of like looked around each other and said, let's not do that again. And they, whatever they want, 103, let's, and they went 11 and 1 in the postseason and they did it. I think that there was a burden emotionally and physically in September on him and then kind of like to justify it in October. And that, that I think affected him. I'm with you. They have to figure out a way to bring him back, you know, because he's such a key guy on the team. The Yankees didn't get there. Houston and Philadelphia did. What do you think of that series? Well, everybody's going to pick Houston. I'm sure they looked overwhelming against the Yankees, but I've seen this act before where the hot team just keeps going, right? I mean, we saw that Cardinals team wasn't very good that beat the Scherzer-Verlander team in, I think that was 06. We saw 90 I mean, the biggest favorite ever was the Bash Brother team of the A's, and they got swept by the Reds. Phillies are the hot team. They've got Harper going. They definitely have a great one-two punch. I kind of think the Phillies might do it. I really do. Yeah, I'm going to hold off on a pick. I'm going to be there at the beginning of the series, and I I don't want to say what my pick is because coming up next on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman is the manager of the National League champion, Philadelphia Phillies, Rob Thompson. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, we're thrilled to have on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, the manager of the National League champion, Philadelphia Phillies, and somebody John and I have known a long time. He worked for 28 years in the Yankee organization, minor leagues, major leagues, third base coach, bench coach. And I think everybody who has been around Rob Thompson is happy and thrilled because uh, just one of the best guys in the game. So, Rob, first of all, congratulations and thank you for joining us here on the show. Thanks, Joel, John, and it's it's a pleasure to be here. Tom, I would start with this. You you, you took over the team. It was 22 and 29 when uh, your friend uh, Joe Girardi was dismissed as manager of the team. What's your belief system at that point that you're still forget about getting to a National League championship, that you're managing a good team. What what did you know to believe that you could make a difference and that you were managing a team that could turn that around? Well, you know, we always thought that we had a good club coming out of spring training. We really did. And uh, we got off to a bit of a slow start and it just kind of snowballed. You know, there was a lot of expectations. We weren't meeting our expectations. Uh, guys were kind of losing their confidence, not really sure what was going to happen. And and then we got into May and, and we had, that was the toughest part of our schedule was May. We played uh, all the West Coast teams. We played a lot of good teams and we really, we scuffled. We made the, the change and, and it just so happened to coincide with part of our, the easiest part of our schedule. And, and we started to win and, and I think guys gained confidence and started to play the way we felt like we were going to play coming out of spring training. And it's been the same way since then. So it's, they're really good. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the guys. I'm proud of the organization. We had a lot of contributions from a lot of different 
people in a lot of different departments, our player development department. We sent up guys that filled the, you know, that really contributed and filled the club with energy. And it's been a lot of fun. Rob, uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, we're all thrilled for you here. It's uh, it's great to see that one of the good guys uh, be rewarded. Finally, you're very uh, patient, uh, persistent guy. And thank you for the uh, thank you that you sent. We, we've had many guests on the show, all good ones. We're very we're, Joel's very good at getting guests, so we get great guests. But uh, you're the only one who actually thanked me in advance for <laughs> having us on. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Is there something? I mean, obviously, we know Joe Girardi is a very good manager. You worked for him in New York. You worked for him in Philadelphia. Is there something that you do did differently? I mean, I'm going to assume that your presence itself made a difference with this club for whatever reason. The mesh was better for whatever. Is there something that you did differently, something that you changed? I think really the, the only two things that really changed was we went to kind of a consistent batting order and we kept guys in the same spots. I thought that our guys anyway, the experienced guys, felt like they, they were more comfortable knowing the night before where they were going to hit, who was hitting around them. They could talk through situations. And and the other thing we did, we moved some pieces of our bullpen around a little bit and put some guys that were scuffling into some lower leverage situations until they got their confidence. And once they got their confidence and we put them back into the higher leverage, and I think that was really about it. But um, we won right out of the gate. We won eight or nine in a row. I forget what it was, but um, it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, when you interviewed uh, for the Yankee job in 2017 to replace Joe Girardi, in fact. I think it was your second interview. You had also done the your your native country, right? Uh, the Toronto yep. Blue Jays yep. uh, had had interviewed you. I remember you did a press conference afterwards, and people were somewhat surprised that you wanted to manage. You know, we had always thought of you as just this great lieutenant who helps everyone along. So along the way, what gives you the belief system that, you know what, I want to do this, and I could be good at it? Um, I think just experience of watching other people, watching, you know, Joe Torrey, Joe Girardi, even in the minor leagues, watching a guy like Stump Merrill, who had, who had managed in the big leagues before. I've always had great relationships with other coaches and players. And, and you know, I just felt like, you know, that's something I could, I could do. And I wanted, at that time, I wanted to stay a Yankee too. And, and I thought maybe this is the only opportunity I get to, to be able to retire as a Yankee. And it didn't work out. I think they made a great decision in Aaron Boone. I really do. I think he's a great baseball man. And and then after that interview, to tell you the truth, I, I really forgot about managing. And I thought, well, you know, I'm pretty good at, at just doing what I'm doing. And let's focus on that and not get too far ahead of myself. And, and then all of a sudden this happened this year and, and when I wasn't even thinking about it. So uh, things happen for a reason, I guess. And, um, you know, at this point, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that I came to Philly anyway. Refresh my memory. When you didn't get the Yankee managing job and went to Aaron Boone, did you both decide mutually that you wouldn't remain as the coach? You'd been there 28 years. How did that come about? And how did you get to Philadelphia? It was before Girardi, I believe, right? And then Girardi came in, who you had known from New York. Yeah, so uh, Gabe Kapler was the manager here in Philadelphia. While we were going through the interview process, if you remember, it took a long time between interviews with the Yankees and to finally make the decision of who was going to be the manager. Cash had left it out there to all the coaches that, you know, we're going to let the manager decide who his staff's going to be, and, and rightly so. So everybody's got an opportunity to go and find something else if they can get it. So I had a few teams call and uh, ask me about being their bench coach, and I kept telling them, you know, I, I really think I'm going to be back with the Yankees one way or the other. Um, so I, I said, you guys need to move on. I don't want to take up your time. You got business to do. 
And everybody did except for Cap. He said, well, we're going to wait until they make a decision. And and uh, finally, it got so late that I kind of figured, well, maybe they don't want me back here in New York. So I decided I, I signed a contract. Uh, Matt Clentak and Cap offered me uh, a deal to be the bench coach with with Philadelphia. And if in the meantime, the Yankees had come back and said, well, we're going to name you the manager, they'd just rip the contract up and let me go. So uh, I signed it and and this is where I'm at now. Tom, you're incredibly humble and gracious. Do you think they missed it? The Yankees, you work for them for 28 years. Do you think that they did not fully appreciate the level of baseball man that you were? Uh, I don't think so. I, I just think that, that um, you know, Cash wanted probably just a whole nother voice. And I've been there for so long and, and um, you'd have to ask cash, but I, I don't think so. I think they made the right decision. I, uh, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm very savvy with, with the media, even to this day, I think I, I can get better at that, but don't undersell um, yourself, Rob, you're doing great here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the Being time, honest and, and, is a plus. Being honest <laughs> is a plus. But that, as you know, I mean, uh, I wasn't very schooled at that time anyway. And that's a big part of that job in New York. And, and, uh, and I think in looking back on it, I think, I think Brian made the right decision. I really did. Well, that's interesting. Are you, do you pinch yourself now? I mean, you, you kind of were resigned to being a, a lifelong lieutenant and coach. Are you surprised that you're in this position? Never mind the, I think we're all kind of surprised that the Phillies are in this position, but are you, are you surprised that you're now the manager not only a manager, but the manager of the National League champion and a World Series entrant. I am a little bit, you know, to tell you the truth. And I, I feel very fortunate. I mean, that so many good things have happened to me personally and to this ball club. Uh, I just feel so fortunate every day. I told the local media the other day, I said, you know, so many great things have happened to me that, that when, every time I cross the street, I make sure I don't get hit by a bus because I'm waiting for something to the roof to cave in or something. But but it's been great. And it's um, you just got to keep it going. Tom, so you are involved with the 09 Yankees. Uh, who are yeah. a bit of a machine. They beat the Phillies in the World yeah. Ser- Series that year. So you know what it looks like to go through this. This is a team that if the same system were in effect from last year, it doesn't even make the playoffs, right? You're a six seed, yeah. only five made it last year. Uh, you kind of get in, uh, you finalize it very late in the season. And yet you get on a run that the Yankees haven't gotten on now since 09. What is the magic? What gets a team on a run at this time of year where you can go from the sixth seed to start beating teams that have essentially outplayed you all year. Yeah. I think in our case, we have had in the last three, four, five years, ever since I've been here, we've always been in in a position to be in the playoffs come September one and have played extremely bad during September and get out. So there's, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the September swoon and, and, are they gonna are they gonna do the same thing this year? And so I always thought in my mind that the most pressure our players had and our organization had, the most pressure on us was just to get in. And once we got in, we'd we'd be a little more relaxed and 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 just go play our game. And for us, I think that's exactly what's happened, is that we've gotten into the playoffs. And at that moment, everybody just was like got a breath and we just went on. We had a big uh win in in St. Louis game one, where we scored six runs in the ninth inning to take a deficit from a deficit to, to a lead and eventually win the game. And I think it just kind of snowballed from there and it sparked us. And, and, you know, everybody's full of confidence and they, they're never, they don't ever feel like they're out of the game. And, and we've had great pitching and timely hitting and, 
you know, it's just, it's just work. Speaking of relaxed and capturing the moment, tell us about uh, Bryce Harper. Um, he's been in the spotlight since Sports Illustrated cover. I think he was 15 or 16 years old. I, I did not know about it before Tom Verducci's article. And uh, I mean, he looks like he is loving this. Philly is the right town for him, as it turned out. What do you, what do you see from Harper behind the scenes? I just see a guy that is so locked in right now. I just expect I expect him to to get a hit or hit a ball hard every time he comes to the plate. And he's every at bat's been a good at bat for him. And he's just gone to a different level, it seems. And you know, last year in the second half, he did this almost the entire second half, which won him the MVP. And he's right there again. And and uh, I'll tell you what, you know, there's a lot of pressure on this guy because, you know, they signed him that big contract, 13 years. He wanted to come to Philly. He wants to win for the city. And and uh, uh, he's he's getting it done. I, I can't say enough about him, really. Tom, I think either being there or watching it on TV, I watched every inning you played against the Mets this season. And I think you went 5-14 and 14 against the, the Mets. And, and honestly, when I watched the games, I don't know how you got the five. Uh, there were real, there were real <laughs> right. prob, there were real problems with the team defensively, bullpen wise, etc. And yet you got your act together to do this, and now it feels like even after beating Atlanta, getting in, beating Atlanta, which won the division, beating San Diego, who also got hot at this time of year, the biggest mountain is in front of you. The Astros feel like the most complete team, one to twenty-six, every area in the sport. How do you win four before they win four? I think that I think the biggest thing is we have to defend. And because we're going to pitch, our, our starting pitching is good. Our offense is good. We have to we have to defend. We have to catch the balls that are that are hit to us, and and we we can't give them extra ninety feet. We can't walk people. We can't make errors. Double plays in order. We got to make double plays. I think that to me that's really the key. Are you that team now, though, Tom's that you weren't a lot of this year? Are you significantly better on defense? I think in the second half, our our infield coach Bobby Dickerson is one of the best I've ever been around and you can talk about our range discuss our range but his point is is it doesn't what we need to do is balls hit to us we need to catch it throw it across the diamond and get outs and that's that's what we've kind of focused on and and I think we are a lot better in the second half we played a lot better defense now there there's still going to be some breakdowns everybody has them every once in a while but uh, we, if we play consistently on defense, you know, we've, we've got a, a real shot. Yeah. Keith Hernandez, one of our previous guests uh, famously uh, said on yeah. SNY that he couldn't take watching the Phillies and we're going to have to ask him about that. Uh, he's a brilliant guy and a fantastic uh, defensive first baseman. One of the greatest, maybe the greatest of all time. Uh, no it is, you know, I'm not a defensive expert, but your, your team was, uh, certainly a, a problem defensively, certainly in the first half of the year. Looking at it from my distance, I mean, it looks like Bohm has gone from really rough to at least respectable. Obviously, you switched to shortstop. You have a different center fielder. From your perspective, what was the key, you think? Was there one key or the other, or those are the three main keys to improving the defense? Yeah, when we, when we got... Uh, Brandon Marsh, he can really go get it in the outfield. So now we've got JT behind the plate, who's arguably the best catcher in baseball. You got Stott and Segura up the middle, who, for the most part, they're going to catch the ball. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with with Bryson Stott. He's done more than I thought he would, to tell you the truth. He's played very consistently at shortstop. And then we had Marsh in center field. So up the middle, we're a lot better than we were. 
really at the start of the year and, and Segura was out for a significant part of the first half. So I think we're a lot better. We've added this Edmundo Sosa from St. Louis, who is an elite defender. Bohm has improved more than on defense, more than any other player I've seen in the big, that I've had in the big leagues in one year, uh, mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, just a different guy than he was at the start of the year. Um, so a lot of really good things have happened and um, they're really playing well right now. Rob, you mentioned uh, bringing lineup stability was important when you took over as the manager. At the end of the game, you don't really have that now. You're kind of moving through a lot of people trying to find matchups, et cetera. What is your kind of bullpen pecking order going in? And I know part of this is like relief pitchers can't jump, right? Like you got to tell David Robinson to stay earthbound the, uh, the, the rest of the time and not, not, yeah, get, that's right. not, not, not get hurt. What, what, uh, how do you look going into this postseason? How does it match up against a, a really strong, especially top of the order of the Astros? Yeah, the top is, you know, Alvarez is really the guy that you, you can't let beach in. And so I would think that we're going to put Alvarado on him. Alvarado, Sir Anthony, Connor Brogdon's really throwing the ball well right now. Uh, I have a lot of trust in David Robertson, although we walked a couple of guys the other day. Well, you know, he's experienced. He's been through this before. So we've got we got a number of, of different pieces that we can throw at these guys, depending on the game state, depending on, you know, what inning we're in and what part of the lineup they're in. Uh, the Phillies Astros have a, a somewhat of a history in the playoffs. Now you're a little little bit younger than I am, but I don't know if you remember the 1980 playoffs uh, was spectacular. I mean, we were in New York. Remember the '86 with Houston and the Mets, but '80 Philly came back and ended up being the world champions after barely winning that series. Uh, you talked a little bit about Alvarez. When we we just watched a series in which they avoided Alvarez to pitch to Bregman, and it didn't work. So you never know. Right. What's going right. to happen exactly? What else can you tell us about this? What what really surprised me? I mean, we knew they had great starting pitching. What really surprised me is the way they the way they've turned around a former Philly Neris and another guy Montero, who are now excellent relievers. But I mean, what what stands out beside the obvious Alvarez with this Astro team to you? I think their pitching is phenomenal. I mean, I I went through their numbers. Uh, this morning, actually, I've got it right here. And I mean, the, just the league rankings, they're at the top of almost every 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 category. So that's tough. And it'll be a good matchup because we have a really good offense. And we've got a lot of we got a long lineup as well. And, and our lineup actually matches up pretty good with theirs. It's a matter of pitching and defense to me that is going to be the key to this thing. You you were brought in as the interim manager. You got a two-year extension. You're now the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, and you're well on your way already. You're a Hall of Famer, Canadian Hall of Famer. Canadian, right? yeah. Uh, not, yes. Yeah. As my dad, <laughs> if my dad were alive, he'd say it's not Cooperstown, son. <laughs> well, you keep doing what you're doing this October. You never know. Uh, so just as a way to wrap up, uh, obviously we know you from when. What from those 28 years with the Yankees stick with you the most and maybe uh, matter right now? Probably um, being in an organization that during that time won five world championships, whether I was, you know, the first in 96, I was triple A hitting coach, third base coach, 98, the next three where I was either the field minor league field coordinator or farm director. And the last one I was on the field. So I think that's the biggest thing. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of being that organization and, 
be able to do that with a whole bunch of people. And and that's, you know, that's really what we're trying to do here in Philadelphia. I do want to ask you one more question. A lot of people are saying the Astros are going to be huge favorites. I don't know. I don't look, I'm not a betting man, so I don't know what the odds say, but people are saying, because the Astros looked, I mean, they swept the Yankees. They look incredible. They won 106 games in the regular season. So I, I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that, but I, I've been around long enough. I've seen a lot of these that look like, you know, one team is favored, not come through 1990, 2006, obviously go back to 69. What do you think? Can you guys pull this off? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm not going to do any Mark Messier guarantees or anything like that. But <laughs> I, I can tell you this, that our group, they will be prepared and they will they will compete and they're going to show up and, and uh, they're going to get after it. We're going we're gonna to play well. Well, I knew the Canadian Hall of Famer wouldn't go Joe Namath. He'd go Mark Messier on a guarantee. Uh, th- thanks for doing that, Thompson. Thanks so much for joining us here. Congratulations on this. Again, I, I want – John and I both said it. We're sincerely one of the nicest, best people we deal with in the sport. I, we couldn't be happier for you. I hope no matter what, you enjoy this experience, and congratulations, Thompson. Well, thank you so much, and, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. We'll be back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. No surprise, John, right? Rob Thompson, humble and gracious, but he does have the National League champion going up against the powerhouse Astros. What do you think about what Rob had to say? Yeah, I thought he was great. First of all, we don't need the pitch timer with him. He gave very brief, concise answers. It was terrific. First of all, it's a wonder that he hadn't gotten this chance before. I'm so glad that he did. 28 years with a Yankee organization. He did have that interview, as you mentioned. Didn't get the job. It went to Aaron Boone. Uh, it's great that he now has this chance. Uh, they gave him a two-year deal. I would have given him more than that. Of course, I'm always giving out money and contracts. I get it. I liked what he said about their chances. He feels good about their team right now. I do, too. Uh, They're the hot team. You know, I mean, obviously the Astros are the great team. They haven't lost a game in the postseason. But to me, we've seen this act before where this team looks fantastic, unbeatable. Lose one game, it could change things around just like that. You know, you've always been the Wheeler guy. I was not. He's turned out to be a star in Philly. Nola also. Ranger Suarez has been really good. They even got their bullpen back together, right? Was he always so funny, John? Who would have thought that they have a good bullpen, the Phillies? Joe Girardi, when he got fired... The one of the reasons was he refused to use Corey Knebel for a third straight day, right? Like think about that, Corey Knebel and Jaris Familia; those were the guys he was trying to win with. They are trying to win with a different group of relievers yeah, now. It is much group. better, right. right? Sir Anthony has been really good. Uh, Robertson, we know him. He, it's a long he season. He was on that two thousand nine. Yeah, stuff happens. I mean, they have a new center fielder. They got a new shortstop. Third baseman's like a new man. Harper's on a roll, so I, I give them a decent chance here. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, stuff happens in short series. We've covered a lot of these. You mentioned 1990 Reds. Who saw that coming? It felt a little no like, one. you know, like this series. You know, maybe there's a sliding door moment. We always thought the sliding door moment between 2017 and 18 was the, the Yankees didn't get Otani, and they slid to get Stanton. And I think that that problematic over the years for how it locked them up right-handed and money etc maybe the sliding door was they picked 
Aaron Boone instead of Rob Thompson. Interesting. Uh, I, I give Stan a little more credit than yeah. you. He is great at the He's great very, moment. No, no, no. He is he, a big game player. I, 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 that that sounds wrong. Yeah. I think he, but it stopped. It turned them very yeah. right-handed. It locked up a position that would right. be better if they could swing around. And, he's had and the money the could be used right. in different ways. That that's that's what I meant by that. But uh, your big point is on Thompson. You got to wonder about it. I yeah. mean, I could see it. I mean, Aaron Boone was the name. He had the major league career. And as, as Rob Thompson mentioned, the media now Rob has been great with us. He's been great with the media, but he was even great as looking a third at it from coach the outside. Aaron coach. Boone was an announcer, a national announcer at ESPN, and we, you knew he'd be pretty good with the media at, at the very least, and he has been. It's funny how they pick, if that's the reason you pick a manager. We're flattered, but that's probably not the good reason to pick a manager. Hey, look, I, I really like Rob Thompson. I really like Kevin Long, the hitting coach. Uh, I always enjoy dealing with Zach Wheeler in New York. By the way, Noah Syndergaard is is, is a Philly. I think the Astros win this series. I, it's Look, that's an easier pick than what you did. They are just feel like a machine. There's no real wasted roster spots. No matter which pitcher they bring in, they, I mean, they're going to not use three starting pitchers yeah. who could start for most teams. It just feels like they have a lot of ways to win. And like we saw against the Yankees, the ball will be in play and the Phillies defense is better, but it's not better than the Yankees and the Yankees ultimately messed up. Yeah, and it would be nice to see Dusty to win finally. Yes, that'd and, be great uh, to too. To me, Dusty's a Hall of Famer, with, yes, whether he wins this or no not. Matter what. But yes, I think that would be a great story for Dusty to finally win. He's not going to go out, even if he wins. He's not going out though. He 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 wants to keep going. Yeah, and well, I don't blame him. He's still very good. Well, both of, both of us will be in Philadelphia next week, and we'll know a lot more about what's going on in the World Series when we do our next show. This is the show, a podcast brought to you by the New York Post. Thanks as always to Andrew Hartz and Jake Brown. Uh, for producing this show and the good folks here at MCM for trying to light us correctly and not make us look like (laughs) horror shows. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Don't forget the Yes app. Our show drops those pretty pictures you're all going to see because we're lighted well. The Yes app, Wednesday by noon. uh, That drops. uh, Go take a look at that. Follow us on Twitter. He's at John Heyman. I'm at Joel Sherman 1. And of course, join us every week on the show with Joel Sherman and John Hayman.